Hello, listeners, and welcome to Life Narrated, the podcast about life and the stories we tell. I'm Emily Everhart, and I'm a house elf rights advocate. I'm Lauren Goodnight, and I'm going to encourage all of you to vote uh, Granger Lovegood 2016. <laughs> My name is Matthew, and I'm a pure blood wizard of an old house. And today we're going to be talking about Ilver Morney and um, the new story that J.K. Rowling has put out. Yeah. Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry by J.K. Rowling. The great North American school of magic was founded in the 17th century. It stands on the highest peak of Mount Greylock, where it is concealed from non-magic gaze by a variety of powerful enchantments, which sometimes manifest in the wreath of misty cloud. Irish beginnings. Ilsot Syri was born around 1603. Okay, pause early... real quick. <laughs> it's Sire. Oh my god. Isolt Sire, I guess. Isolt Sire. Yeah. Was born around 1603 and spent her earliest childhood in the valley of Coolmagura, County, County Kerry in Ireland. She was the offspring of two pure blood wizarding families. Her father's, her father, William Sire, was a direct descendant of the famous Irish witch Morgan, an animagus whose creature was a crow. William, Nick- William nicknamed his daughter Morgan for her affinity for all natural things when she was young. Her early childhood was idyllic, with her parents, who loved her and were quietly helpful to their muggle neighbors, producing magical cures for humans and livestock alike. However, at five years old, an attack upon her family home resulted in the death of both her parents. An insult was res- rescued from the fire by her mother's estranged sister, Gormlaith Gaunt, who took her to the neighboring valley of Cool Makili, or Hags Glen, and raised her there. As Isolt grew older, she came to realize that her savior was in reality her kidnapper and the murderer of her parents. <gasps> Unstable and cruel, Gormlaith. 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 Yeah, well, you have a whole bunch of opinions. Was fanatical and pure blood who believed Gormy. that her sister's helpfulness to her muggle neighbors was setting Isolt upon a dangerous path to intermarriage with a non magical man. Oh, the worst. <laughs> Only by stealing the child, the Gormith believed, could their daughter be brought back to the right way. Raised in the belief that as a descendant of both Morgan and Salazar learned she ought to associate only with pure bloods. So should we oh, should we like pause and like kind of reflect on like each yeah, chapter let's do that. or like paragraph? Um, I find it interesting that she's a descendant of Salazar Slytherin <coughs> in this um, thing. Yeah, it's a little bit convenient you, if you ask me. Are you guys familiar with Morgan? Like, she was the she was uh, Arthur's sister or something. Well, right, yeah. There's there's Morgan, um, who right, um, like Mor- Morgan Le Fay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Morgan in like the Celtic tradition, it's actually three women. They're like oh. they're like um, almost like harpies. Okay. And so it's it's kind of like a there's like a trinity aspect to it where it's like three it's like these three sisters who are like crow women. And they each have different aspects of battle and war. So, like, I forget their names. I know one's name is, like, Maha or something like that. And the three of them all make up the Morrigan. Kind of like uh, the fates in Greek mythology. Right, yeah. And so, or, right, exactly. And then, you know, so one of them is, like, she, she represents, like, battle lust. So, like, the actual lust for blood and, like, the sexual kind of, like feelings that people get from like a like a literal bloodlust cool what's her number one of them is <laughs> right and then <laughs> and then one of them is like the kind of 
like the like the berserker kind of i feel like that's what she does where it's like one of them is like when you're like a, a soldier like dying she's the one that gives you that like last push to kind of just go ape shit and take as many people out with you kind of thing and then there's awesome. a third one who is the one that like kind of like a valkyrie-esque and i could be like i could be remembering all these wrong like you know what their individual kind of yeah. things are but that idea of the like a trinity like these three women all make up the morrigan and they're usually represented by like crows and they like fly you know fly in yeah. over battlefields and like scream and like get men like whipped up into the fury of battle and stuff so that's like i thought that was really interesting that they're taking which harry potter did that too where they're taking these like myths yeah. And, like, really prominent kind of legends and, like, mythology and and religious beliefs from old religions and just, like, kind of working them into her story. Story, yeah. So, so let me, I just wikipedia it. Um, the Morgan is often considered a triple goddess, but yeah. this triple nature is ambiguous and inconsistent. These triple appearances are partially due to the Celtic significance of threeness. Sometimes she appears as one of three sisters, the daughters of Ernamas, Morgan, ba- Badbud, and Macha. Sometimes the trinity consists That's of Maha. Bad, Macha, Maha, mm-hmm. and, and and Anand, collectively known as the Morgan. Occasionally, Neiman and Faye, or Faye, appear in the various combinations. However, the Morgan can also appear alone, and her name is sometimes used interchangeably with Badab. So, it's like a weird collection of god, or spirits yeah, that they smoosh together. Yeah, okay. That is interesting. Anyways, can I read more Harry Potter, please? Yes, go. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, well, go. Uh, I do, I do. Gorlate set herself to be the model she thought <coughs> Ilsalt needed by forcing the child to watch as she cursed and jinxed any muggle or animal that strayed too near their cottage. <laughs> the community certainly learned that to avoid the place where Gormath lived, and from then on, only contact the only contact Ilsalt had with the villagers she had once been friends with was when local boys threw stones at her as she played in the garden. Aww. That's how they flirt. That's how they flirt. <laughs> Locals are refused. so weird. <laughs> Gormuth refused to allow Isolt to take up her place at Hogwarts when the letter arrived, on the basis that Isolt would learn more at home than at a dangerously egalitarian establishment full of mudbloods. So she's, she's like, homeschooling her kids yeah. all weird. Like, that's, that's how she lives her life. Right. You're already a witch. You don't need, like, to be even weirder than normal. Right. However, Gormeth herself had attended Hogwarts and held assault a great deal about the school. In the main, she did this to denigrate the place, limiting that Salazar Slytherin's plans for the purity of wizard kind had not been fulfilled. To her niece, isolated and mistreated by an aunt she believed to be the, like, at least half insane, Hogwarts sounded like a kind of paradise, and she spent much of her teen years fantasizing about it. Mm-hmm. For twelve years, Gormlaith enforced Isolde's cooperation and isolation through powerful dark magic. At least the young woman developed sufficient skill and courage to escape. Oh, at last this young woman developed sufficient skill and courage to escape by stealing her aunt's wand, for she had never been put into her own. The only object that Isol took with her was her gold brooch in the shape of a Gordian knot that had once belonged to her mother. Isol then fled the country. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> so everybody Scared. knows what a Gordian knot is, right? I had to Google it, actually. Okay. It's like a... Uh, but I it's like the, the three things, the Celtic. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, sacred, scared of uh, Gormlaith's retribution and her prodigious tracking powers, Isolde moved first to England, but before long, Gormlaith was on her trail, determined to hide in such a way uh, that her adoptive mother would never find her. Isolde cut off her hair, 
masquerading as a muggle boy called Elias Story. She set sail for the New World on the Mayflower in 1602. So, really quick, I think it's just really... I, I know this is, like, not, like, a full-length book or whatever, but I just... I love the fact that it's, um... Like, we just get little, like, more... De- you know, it's like, oh, Zolt had a stealer wand because she wasn't allowed one. And then, you know, because Gormath has such a... She has such pre- prestigious tracking powers. Like, <laughs> why? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of strange, actually, now that I think about it. It's like, we lived alone for years in complete isolation, but, you know, my aunt's a really good tracker, so... Right. <laughs> I was never well, allowed to leave the they, house as a child, but I know that... That she like, can track shit. She's the best hide and seeker of 1620. I mean, does she? Uh, I just find it weird that she didn't give her daughter her her charge a wand if she wants her to be so heavily steeped in magical lore. Yeah, frankly, like you, it feels like you wouldn't be able to teach her anything without a wand, right? Or maybe she wasn't teaching her anything. Is that was that the implication? Well, I imagine that she. We, we just discussed that she's going to be homeschooled essentially, right? Like, yeah. But maybe it was like one of those things where, like, like the Karate Kid, where you like wax on, wax off, and then all of a sudden you start kicking you people really hard. Wand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like kendo or something, or, or aikido or whatever. You don't touch a sword until you're already killing people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like. I mean, Go ahead. Yeah. Oh well, I was just I was gonna say like the idea that it's like oh well you know you're you don't get a wand. It's like I agree. It's just kind of like well. For most wizards, you know, they, again, they talk about this in Harry Potter, where it's like, with most wizards, like, you have to have a wand. Yeah. To, you know, unless you're doing strictly something, like, with potions, which you're still using, like, magical ingredients, but you don't necessarily need, like, your wand, per se. But it's like, to do anything magical, you kind of have to have your wand to, like, yeah. as the conduit. So I just think it's kind of strange. Well, isn't there, like... Non-verbal magic or something. I think that that is supposed you still to be do it Ilver... with your wand. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I think that Ilvermorny, their thing is like non-wand magic. What? How and do you that... know that? Well, I thought that was something that's in the story, but it's actually not. So I don't oh. know how I know that. Maybe I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> or I think it was something well, that, it, like, uh, what's her face was saying about about Ilvermorny. Also, though, if it's like Native American magic, like you don't see a lot of Native American wizards have like wands. Yeah. Really. And they we'll have, like... get to that. We'll get to the Native American okay. part. Can Continue. I get to the Native American part, please? Yeah. Isolt arrived in America among the earliest Muggle settlers. Muggles are known as nomads. Which I feel like is really weird. Like, Can I don't we like talk about that. that for a second? <laughs> like, okay. I don't. I don't have a big problem with it, but nomad. It sounds like a venereal disease. <laughs> or like it sounds lazy to me like yeah you just shorten the word magic yeah i feel like muggle is such a like <coughs> it's so like, it's like so obviously like made up whereas like yeah. nomad sounds like if you like you could trans you could you translate could, that you could know what it meant you know without <clears throat> having to be told right but nomad. also but like it also I'm, I'm saying it's like if you go to another country like you know and you're trying it's like the whole like Ikben, I'm Berliner situation where it's like it's so close. It's like, did he just call me a cunt? Like, what? No, no. Well, you just called. You just said no, Madge, and that's what that means. Like, I feel like it's it could be <laughs> translated to something like really horrible and dirty. Yeah, I guess in like in like a real like actual language. Yeah, whereas I like mean, Muggle is so silly research. and fantastical. But also because the whole culture it seems comes from. 
England. Like, why don't just use Muggle? <laughs> like, right. I don't. I mean, maybe because she grew up clearly knowing what the word Muggle meant. Yeah. So, like, how? Oh, okay. I. I mean, there's. Well, maybe it's like a, a but. like a uh, a uh, fuck was it like a contemporary thing? Like, oh, in these days they're called nomads. Okay, yeah, that could be it. It could be a yeah. Which she says like, in the American wizarding community, which would imply that there was already a wizarding community when she got to America, which there was. Does not imply that at all. It implies that there is an American wizarding community, and that's what they're called there. But that could be at any time in history. Now that you say it, it does now sound like it's more modern than, um, like she's talking about now. Right. Yeah. Like I think she's just kind of <laughs> setting us up for what other whatever other books or, you know, media is going to come out with that term in it, you know? Okay. All right. And just Americans are just not nearly as, like, fun and, like, whimsical as their British (laughs) counterparts. Right? They just take everything. They call call sweaters jumpers, okay? Like, they're they're crazy over there. They call what? Sweaters jumpers. Jumpers. Yeah, that's true. They got a lot of weird words. And cookies are fags. I mean, there's Yeah, cookies are biscuits. That doesn't make sense. And they don't even say chili bin like Australians. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Because Australians say chili bin for, you know, coolers, like for your beer. Which is adorable. (laughs) It's so cute. It is adorable. How do you keep things chili and keep them safe? In a chili bin. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Shout out to our Australian friends we were traveling with who taught us that. Yeah, I'm kidding. Adorbs. All right, let me continue this. Okay, sorry. Muggles are known as nomads in the American Wizarding community. No magic. Boo! Because they have no magic. (laughs) Duh. Because they're infant stupid babies with no magic. (laughs) On arrival, she vanished into the surrounding mountains, leaving her erstwhile shipmates to suppose that Elsa's Elias story had died of a harsh winter, like so many others. The salt left her new colony. We can't find him anymore. It's summertime. He must have gone down by that harsh winter. It's like a disease. Was no one keeping track of Elias? I mean, it was a colony, and like they didn't know what was going on. Like, I'm sure crazier things happened. That's true. I just love like from now on. Whenever I get a cold, I'm gonna call it the harsh winter. <laughs> I was a harsh. I was lost in the harsh winter. Okay. Okay. Sorry. 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 Continue. Lock it down. Yes. I'm trying. No, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> oh, okay. you're, you're doing. You're doing. You great. lock it down. You're doing great. I'm fucking it up. <clears throat> um, bra 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 bra. Is left? Okay. Is left of the new colony probably because she remained afraid that Gormaith would track her even to a new continent, but also because her journey aboard the Mayflower had led her to deduce that a witch was unlikely to find many friends <laughs> friends among the Puritans. Yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> Isolt was now. Alone, uh, quite alone in a harsh foreign country, and as far as she knew, the only witch for hundreds, if not thousands, of miles. Her partial education by Gormlaith had not included information about Native American wizards. <laughs> However, after several weeks alone in the mountains, she met two magical creatures of whose existence she had hitherto been ignorant. Just want to point out that, like, we, our education about the magical world also did not include Amer- Native American right, wizards right, right. at all. <laughs> also, I I like that this paragraph starts out talking about Native American wizards and ends up talking about creatures. At first, I was like, "Excuse me," <laughs> and I was like, "No, she's actually talking about like magical creatures." She switched creatures. subjects here, but like, still, we could have worked that out. Like, okay, so here we go. Yeah, the hide behind is nocturnal forest dwelling specter that preys on humanoid creatures. As the name suggests, it can contort itself to hide behind almost any object, concealing itself perfectly from hunters and victims alike. Its existence has been suspected by no match, but they are not but they are no match for its powers. 
Only a witch or a wizard is likely to survive an attack by a hide behind. I really like the name hide behind. I don't know why. I think it's hilarious. I, have, I think it's hilarious in its laziness. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, inf- we're infantile baby men. That's why. That's <laughs> right. We call it the it's for American behind. audience. Yeah. It's like how some things have like, just like so perfect and simple. And, you know, it's yeah. named as descript. And then you have words like, yeah, like muggle. Where it's like, <laughs> why? Sorry. Here we go. A puckwudgie, which is now my new favorite word, <laughs> is also native to America. A short, gray-faced, large-eared creature distantly related to the European goblin. Fiercely independent, tricky, and not over-fond of humankind, whether magical or mundane, it possesses its own powerful magic. Puckwudgies hunt with deadly poisonous arrows that in- and enjoy playing tricks on humans. Like poisoning them to death. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a puckwudgie trick. The two creatures had met in the forest... And the hide behind, which was of unusual size and strength, had not only succeeded in capturing the Pukwudgie, which was young and inexperienced, but had also been on the point of disemboweling him when Isolt cast the curse that made it flee. Unaware that the Pukwudgie, too, was exceptionally dangerous to human, Isolt picked him up, carried him to a makeshift shelter, and nursed him back to health. Oh, that's how, nice. How little was he? I, I mean, don't know. They're, they're goblins, they're not that big. Like Dobby. Goblins. Like Dobby? Dobby's, Dobby's a house elf idiot. Oh my oh. god. <laughs> I'm oh imagining Dobby accepts like American version, like a fatter, <laughs> like gray face version. It's got a gun as well. It's got a gun. And he won't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing she didn't try and take I his demand, gun. I'm just saying. He demands that. That would have gone badly. Okay. The, the Pukwudgie now declared himself bound to serve her until he had an opportunity to repay his debt. He considered it a great humiliation to be indebted to a young witch foolish enough to wander around in a strange country where Pukwudgies or hide-behinds might have attacked her at any moment. And her days were now filled with the Pukwudgies grumbling as she trudged along at her heels. Wow, okay. You <laughs> dude. You could have just, like, went away. <laughs> I know, right? In spite of the Pukwudgie's ingratitude, Isolf found him amusing and was glad of his company. <laughs> Over time, a friendship developed between them that was almost unique in the history of their respective species. Faithful to the taboos of his people, the Pukwudgie refused to tell her his individual name, so she dubbed him William after her father. I like how it's like my individual name, as opposed to like just his name. I didn't like. <laughs> well, I kept reading like, that. Like instead of saying Pukwudgie, you know, his right. actual first person. Name. Well, right, but it's like. Refuse to tell her his name. Mm. Yeah, that I don't makes know. more Indi- sense. Like, individual name means, like, I don't know. It just, some sometimes when I get caught up, like, why was that word yeah. in there? I mean, that's a good question. And I just leave it up to British people being weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The Horned Serpent. William began to introduce his salt to the magical creatures with which he was familiar. They took trips together to observe the frog-headed hoobag, hoodags, <laughs> hunting. Hodags. Dragonish Snallygaster and watched newborn wampus kittens playing in the dawn. Aww. Aww. I really want to see a wampus. I know. I want to see a wampus kitten. Yeah. Most fascinating of all to Isolt was the great horned river serpent with a jewel set into its forehead, which lived in a nearby creek. Even her Pukwudgie guide was terrified of this beast. But to his astonishment, the horned serpent seemed like to like Isolt. Even more alarming to William was the fact that she claimed to understand what the horned serpent was saying to her. Oh, shit. I know. She's a house of garzel mouth. Isolt learned not to talk to William about her strange sense of kinship with the serpent, nor the fact that it seemed to tell her things. She took to visiting the creek alone and never told the Pukwudgie where she had been. The serpent's message never varied. Until I am part of your family, your family is doomed. 
See, I don't get that because that is not explained throughout the rest of the story, unless, Lauren, you understand it. Yeah. And if so, keep it to yourself and talk about it later, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and you might, and it might occur to you, so. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. Um, Isolde had no family unless you counted Gourmet back in Ireland. Which she you could, do because which it's her we aunt. don't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She could not understand the Horned Serpent's cryptic words, or even decide whether she was imagining the voice in which he seemed to speak to her. Webster and Chadwick Boot. Salt was finally reunited with people of her own kind under tragic circumstances. As she and William foraged in the woods one day, a grisly noise not far away caused William to shout at Isolt to remain where she was, as he charged away through the trees, poisoned arrow at the ready. Naturally, Isolt did not follow his instructions, and when she arrived shortly afterwards at a small clearing, she found a horrific sight. The very hide-behind that she had previously tried to kill William had had more success with a pair of naive humans who now lay dead upon the ground. Worse, two small boys lay seriously, seriously injured nearby, waiting their turn as the hide-behind prepared to disembowel their parents. Oh no. The Pukwudgie and Isolt together made short work of the hide-behind, which, which this time was destroyed. Delighted by their afternoon's work, the Pukwudgie then con- delighted. <laughs> okay. He was thrilled about it. Murdering yeah. some folk. Let's let's go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> the the Pukwudgie continued blackberrying, ignoring the faint groans of the children on the ground. When a furious insult in, uh, assault instructed him to help her carry the two small boys home, William threw a tantrum. The young boys, he said, were already as good as dead. It was against the beliefs of his kind to assist humankind. Assault being the unfortunate exception because she had saved his life. Outraged by the Pukwudgie's callousness, Isolt told him that she would accept the saving of one of the boys' lives as repayment. The two boys were so ill she was afraid to apparate with them, but insisted on carrying them home. So when did she learn to apparate? Like, Jesus. <laughs> I feel like that is the last skill that Gormleif would have taught her. Exactly. <laughs> but Jesus. anyway. Do you even need wands to do that? Like, you could just do it, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm a muggle, Matthew. I'm a muggle. <laughs> but you have read seven textbooks on the Wizarding myself, World. But I've never had. Uh... <laughs> Lauren's like, I've never tried it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, then, uh, grudgingly, the Pukwudgie consented to carry the older boy, whose name was Chadwick, while Isolt carried the younger, the young Webster, back to his sh- her shelter. Once there, the furious Isolt told William that she had no further need of him. The Pukwudgie glared at her and then vanished. There's a lot of um, orphans in this story. <laughs> so like far, way more than the last one. All the characters are orphans. That's right. Besides the Pukwudgie, who I assume is not. The Boot Boys and James Stewart. Isolt had sacrificed her only friend for the two small boys who might not survive. Fortunately, however, they did. And to the, her astonishment and delight, she realized that they were magical. Oh, big Perfect. surprise. <laughs> Chadwick and Webster's visiting parents had brought them to America in search of a fascinating adventure. This had ended in tragedy when the family had wandered into the woods and encountered a hide-behind. Unfamiliar with the creature and taking it for a common garden bogart, bogart Mr. Boot had attempted to ridicule it <laughs> with awful consequences that Isolt and William had witnessed. Aww. The boys were so seriously ill for the first couple of weeks that Isolt did not dare to leave them. It troubled her that in her haste to save the children she had not been able to give her, their parents' bodies a decent burial. When at last Chadwick and Webster seemed well enough to leave, alone, uh, to leave alone for a few hours, she returned to the forest with the intention of creating graves that the boys might one day visit. Yeah, they forgot to mention that she's like Irish Catholic and is very determined to bury everyone. <laughs> I didn't even the think way of it that. Be. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't think about that either. 
As Isolde watched, James finished make, marking the graves he had dug by hand. Oh, wait, sorry. To her surprise, when she arrived in the clearing, she found a young man by the name of James Stewart. He, too, was from the Plymouth Settlement. Having missed the family he had befriended on his journey to America, he had gone into the forest to search for them. <laughs> Everybody has name tags. There's no actual introduction. There's just like... There's just like... Like, oh, well, hello, James Stewart. I see you dug these graves by hand. Like, <laughs> having missed the family he had befriended on his journey to America, he had gone to the forest to search for them. So James yes. was friends with the parents. With the boots, yeah. Oh, that was not clear. I thought it was just some family, and he was like, where did they go? We got off the boat, and I lost them. We'll never and I found know. The, and then I found these dead people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Decided to bury no. them. Got it, okay. As this old watch, James finished making the graves he had dug by hand, then picked up the two broken wands that had laid beside the boot. Wands! Frowning, he examined the sparking core of dragon heart string that protruded from Mr. Brote's, from Mr. Boots, then gave it a casual wave. As invariably happens with no match waves and wand, it rebelled. James was sent flying backwards across the clearing, hit a tree, and was knocked out. Isolt <laughs> was left to bury the dead people. <laughs> like, because it's like, it's just like, he finished marking the graves that he dug by hand, and then he picked up the broken ones that laid beside the boots. And I'm just kind of like, so are they in the dirt? <laughs> not in the dirt. So clearly they were not in the dirt. Well, I think he hadn't, he had like, cleared. dug them, right? No, they were had been buried, but he went back to where they were killed and looked at the wands that yeah, he hadn't like, touched. it's possible that he was more concerned about the dead bodies than, like, little pieces of wood on the ground. Right. Two broken wands that had lain beside the boot's parents. Yeah. The had from, the had lain. Uh, <laughs> protruded from Mr. Boot's body or his grave? <laughs> no, from his wand. Let's, yeah, let's, like, keep the <laughs> discussion about the minutia of, like, locations of things, like, to a minimum. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh I wand. see. Mr. Boots' wand. Yeah. Okay, I was like, Mr. Boots. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. James did. He woke in a small shelter of branches and animal skins to find himself being nursed by Isolde. She could not hide her magic from him in such a confined space, particularly when she was brewing potions to aid the boot boy's recovery and using her wand to hunt. Hold up, when'd she get a wand? She stole the she wand stole from Gormley. She, oh, she did? Yeah, she had yeah. a wand. I forgot about that. Yeah. Isolt intended to obviate James once he was over his concussion. <laughs> That's obliviate. Obliviate. I wasn't right. going to say no. anything. <laughs> but he said he's going to ovulate him. No, ob- <laughs> no, I didn't say ovulate. I said That's what it sounded like. Obliviate. No, you're no obliviate. you said something. You didn't say ob. ob- you didn't say I what said. I said obviate. Yeah, you said obviate. Yeah, that's okay. Right. That, I heard but obviate. Obliviate <laughs> is what it actually says. So correct. Thank you. James, she intended to ovulate James once he was over his concussion to send him back to the colony. Oh, you don't know how true that is. <laughs> Just keep reading. In the meantime, he was. It was a wonderful to have another adult to talk to, especially as an adult who was already as sexy as he could possibly be. <laughs> Those sexy little boot boys. (laughs) In the meantime, it was wonderful to have another adult to talk to, especially an adult who was already fond of the boot boys and helped entertain them while they recovered from their magical injuries. Mm. James even helped Assault construct a stone house on top of Greylock. Oh, shit. Providing a workable design, having been a stones mason in England, which Assault made a reality in the space of an afternoon. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh... Isolde christened her new home Ilvermorny, 
after the cottage in which he had been born, in which Gorm- Gormleith had destroyed. Every I, day... Sorry, mm-hmm. I want to say, um, is James Stewart a mason? Like a Freemason? <laughs> oh, be, he probably... He? he would have been, right? I mean, uh, he probably Quite possibly. Was. Oh, that... Everything's like, starting to make sense, guys. <laughs> there you go. I have to go find my friends in the woods. That's right. Because I miss them so much. JK, we're all part of a secret society. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we're meeting. Uh, Continue. But, but, okay. Every day, Assault vow to uh, <laughs> obviate James. And every day, his fear of magic wore off. Obliviate. Obliviate. See, I don't know. Sounds like she's gonna like, like destroy him. His memory. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Memory. Um. Anyways, his fear every day. His fear of magic wore off a little more, and eventually, and until finally, it seems simplest to admit that they were in love, marry, and have done with it. Yay! Wow, really? That's what happens when you're not scared of magic. Like, <laughs> that's what happens. Also, limited like, choices. Only two yeah, adults in the area. <laughs> Also, I want to. This is kind of like a reverse Sherazad because every day she's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, obliviate you," and then every night they don't. So, oh, I didn't even think about that, but I really like that. Yeah, it's kind of cute. <coughs> I think. Anyway, continue. Okay. Every day she meant to erase his memory, strip him down, and leave him naked in the woods, <laughs> and then she did it. So they Except got married. She only did that last part. <laughs> That's right, several times. But he didn't erase his memory so he could find his way home. Exactly. Uh, also, I want to just point out there's like a huge like logical gap between like, he was not scared of magic until they married. <laughs> so they got married. They, they didn't like talk about love or like growing closer together. It was like the growing closer together was him not being afraid of magic anymore. Not just terrified like, of her. Again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it turns out it's pretty convenient and kind of cool and it might like benefit me to have a magic wife right but again limited choices there's literally two of them <laughs> sure but like i don't know yeah i guess you're right I guess he could have gone back i guess though, he could have gone thing. back yeah like they're clearly not that far away yeah if he just was like i left the colony and wandered in the woods and then through my wanderings found the exact spot where my friends died <laughs> and bear you know what i mean so they're clearly not that far away and That's i'm true. i'm starting to believe now that they were trails marked and like <laughs> I'll just go in the woods this way. Oh, look, here's my dead friends. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Thousand, thousands of miles of, like, nothing. And I just <coughs> happened to go the exact same way. I met this one chick. Okay. Four Their love is a lie that's based on coincidence. <laughs> and convenience, frankly. And convenience. Anyways. Isolt and James considered the boot boys their ca- adopted son. Isa told them the secondhand stories of Hogwarts she had learned from Gormleith. Both boys yearned to attend the school, frequently asking why they could not all return to Ireland, where they could wait for their letters. Isolt did not want to frighten the boys with the story of Garmleith. Instead, she promised them that when they reached 11 years old, they would somehow find them wands, their parents' wands being broken beyond repair, and they would start a school of magic right here in the cottage. Oh, nice. This idea caught Chadwick and Webster's imagination. The boys' idea of what a magic school ought to be like were based most, almost entirely on Hogwarts. So they insisted that it outright have to have four houses. That ought to have four houses, God. Okay. The idea of naming the houses after themselves as the founders was swiftly abandoned because Webster felt a house called Webster Boot had no chance of ever winning anything. Oh, <laughs> And instead, each of their chose their favorite magical beast. I mean, I agree. For, 
Webster Boot could win something. Chadwick Boot couldn't win anything, though. <laughs> well, see, but well, that's, that's the other thing, too, is, like, they're both brothers, so it's, like, the the houses are named after the founders of Hogwarts, but it uses their last name, so it would be, like, Boot, Boot, Sire, <laughs> but then they got married, so it wouldn't be Sire anymore, it would be Stuart and Stuart. So it's, like, <laughs> Boot, Boot, and Stuart, Boot, Stuart, 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 Stuart. But also, this is America, we do things different, we do what we like that's here. That's right, we yeah. do whatever the fuck we want. Uh-huh. I love I love that it's like it was swiftly abandoned because it was stupid. <laughs> Alright. And we favorite, and we, we're gonna do it better. Their favorite magical beast. For Chadwick, an intelligent but often temperamental boy, it was the Thunderbird that can create storms as it flies. For argumentative but fiercely loyal Webster, it was the Wampus, a magical panther like creature that was fast, strong, and almost impossible to kill. For Isolt, it was, of course, the horned serpent that she still visited with, which she felt a strange sense of kinship. Oh, and with which she still felt a strange sense of kinship. When asked what his favorite creature was, James was as a loss. He was like, (laughs) a chicken, a cow, like, they're very practical animals. (laughs) Guys, I really like bacon, so pig. The loyal idiot cow is what James picked. It's like... Well, it's gonna be it's like Thunderbird, yeah, Wampus, yeah, uh, Horned Serpent, ah, Horse, Horse, Chicken. <laughs> yeah, well, right. I was like James, the reliable workhorse of the yeah. Movie. There you go. There you really, go. only contribution was that he was a stonemason <laughs> to be a rock. He was also <laughs> extremely sexy, as we have mentioned already. That's right. So, like that's a. Very good thing to have. His around. extreme sexiness probably saved his life. Let's be honest. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> very true. When asked what his favorite creature was, James was at a loss. The only nomad in the family was able to consort with the magical creatures, and uh, the others had begun to know well. Finally, he named the Pukwudgie because the stories his wife had told him curmudgeonly of curmudgeonly William always made him laugh. That's nice. I guess. Thus, there were were the four houses of Morning created. And while the four originators did not yet know it, much of their own characters leaked into the houses they had so lightheartedly named. Dun-dun-dun! The Dream! Chadwick's 11th birthday was fast approaching, and Isolt was at a loss how to provide the wand she had promised him. As far as she knew, the wand she had stolen from Gormath was the only one in America. She did not dare dissect it to find out how it was made, and her investigations into the wands of the boy's parents showed her only that the dragon heartstring and unicorn hair they had both contained had long since shriveled and died. On the eve of his birthday, she had a dream that she went down to the creek to find the horned serpent, which rose up out of the water and bowed its head to her while he, she shaved a long shard of its horn. Waking in the darkness, she proceeded down to the lake, the creek. Cool! <laughs> the horned serpent was waiting for her there. It raised its head exactly as it had in done in her dream. She took part of its horn, thanked it, then returned to the house and woke James, whose skill with stone and wood had already beautified their family cottage. There you go. When Chadwick woke the next day, it was to find a finely carved wand of prickly ash enclosing the horn of the serpent. Isolt and James had succeeded in creating a wand of exceptional power. How nice! So I think that's what the, the message the horn oh. serpent was saying. It was like, until I'm part of your family, your family is doomed. Okay, I see. But it's also kind of like, to me, it's... I'm pretty sure that's where it's coming from, where it's like, oh yeah, part of my... The, the horn and the wand, and then going to your boys or whatever, but... But I feel like it's, like, not something she had to figure out. Like, she had a dream, and then she just did exactly what the dream said. So it wasn't really, you know, she's like, oh, he kept giving me this, like, warning or this, like, omniscient, like, 
prophecy and then told me exactly what I needed to do. So why did the snake from the get-go just say like, hey, you're going to come back to me later and I'm going to give you <laughs> some horns. Right. To make, or, you, or like, hey, you know what? My horn's super powerful. Why don't you make a wand out of it? Like, <laughs> that's not how like, it works. <laughs> it I feel like this would all be really like really mysterious. interesting if it had like been like expanded to like, you know, a thousand pages. Like this would be like a really interesting story of like, you know, intrigue and like dreams and like she would be very clever, like Hermione being like, How do I make a wand? and like all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's just like totally. compressed to like, you know, thirteen pages. Yeah, like, okay. I kinda I Th- that yeah, happened. I kind of agree. <laughs> I wish that she had like written this out properly. Cause it is like it's not a proper story. It's like a info dump. Which is what yeah. it's supposed to yeah. be. Like it's not supposed to be a story. But it's like I really would like to have more details and like. Well, and we probably will get it too. Like, if you think that this isn't going to show up in some kind of other media, like movies or more books or you know musicals or something, you are <laughs> sorely mistaken. I think. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made. From right, and all I of do this. not begrudge her a cent of it. Like, go for no, it. No, not all. But I don't think that she's going to make this particular story into anything just because it's laid out here. So you know, mm. I think that she should have, but. Like, I, it seems like she has a lot of other stories going, so she's not going to, yeah. you know. I'm really excited I mean, about this new movie, by the way. Yeah, I haven't really heard much about it, except that it exists. I'm kind of like, I don't know. I think it's like a money grab, but it's also probably going to be cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm okay with money grab because it's so awesome. Like, there are some <laughs> other things that are, uh, shall remain nameless, that are, um, like, money grabbing. But this is, this is pretty awesome. Well, let's put it like this. I think we think that because we haven't been burned by the Harry Potter yes. um, franchise yet. That's true. As soon as something burns us, we're going to be like, fuck all this money-grabbing bullshit. Yeah. We don't want to see anything else Harry Potter related ever again. That's fair. And, I mean, yeah. the fact that it's been, like, a smooth 20 years and yeah. nothing has burned us yet is also an indication. Well, I think part of that, too, can't? because J.K. Rowling puts, like, I'm pretty sure... I hope I'm not just talking bullshit right now, but, like, I'm pretty sure that she helped write the screenplay yeah. for, like, the, uh, what was it, The Cursed Child yeah. or whatever, she, the play. She helped write that, like, and she also helped yeah. write the screenplay With for the new movie. Fantastical Beasts. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, I feel like she's putting her stamp on yeah. it. She ta- sure. She holds tight to the reins, I think, and that's, I think, what is the difference. She's not yeah. interested in money because she has all of it. And she's given all of it away and gotten oh my it God. back again. I read, like, I read this, like, random fact that it's, like, she makes, she makes, like, I, it was something ridiculous, but it was, like, $8 every second or every minute or something <laughs> like that, which doesn't seem like a lot, but, like. No, but it's every second, like. Yeah, it's, like, or yeah. Even, even every 60 seconds. That's, like, okay. You know, like, it's just, it's, like, ridiculous. Like, she doesn't do it. Yeah. There's a, um. There's a word, uh, there's like a phrase, uh, I can't remember what it is, but it's like the, the something number, like the, the whatever, the something number. And basically it's the number of people who are so critical to your organization that if they left, it would crumble. Yeah. Mm. And like, J.K. Rowling is the one yeah. in, in this franchise. Yeah, there's one. You know, there's the number is one. The number <laughs> and is it's one, her. yeah. And like, she, and, her life must be really complicated, but... Sure, but uh, my point is, like, if she fails or if she stops doing it, we will get burned at some point. That's true. Because there aren't anybody else to take the reins, and she can only, like, control so much, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, if this, 
like eventually the money's going to get to her, and maybe not to her, but to someone that she cares about, or like someone's going to like hold something else over her that's like, hey, we need another movie or another book. Please write us this in yeah. three weeks. Yeah, you know, and then she'll make a shitty decision, and we're going to get burned on it. Um, I think that she's honestly on her way already to making a shitty Kinda. decision, and. I know what it is, and we should keep reading to figure it out. <laughs> All right. The Founding of Ilvermorny School by J.K. Rowling. By the time Webster turned 11, the reputation of the family's little home school had spread. Two more magical boys from the Wamp- Wampanoagian tribe had been joined by a mother and two daughters from the Ni- Naragasa, all interested in learning the techniques of wand work in exchange for sharing their own magical learning. Interesting. All were provided with wands of Isolt and James' making. Some protective instinct told Isolt to save the Horned Serpent cores for only for her two adoptive sons, and she and James learned to use a variety of other cores, including Wampus Hair, Snallygaster Heartstring, and Jackalope Cool. All right. Yeah. I was wondering if, like, that serpent just had no horns left. It makes me sad because this is, like, the first time that I'm like, oh, Heartstring, is that, like, part of their heart? Yes. She yeah, killed they killed the fucking, yeah. <laughs> She's, like, killing these in. Hopefully they're eating them and, like, you know, repurposing <laughs> but, everything. Well, using Think them for it, magic though. purposes. Think about sure, it, though. Sure, sure. If Ollivander uses only one Heartstring from one dragon to make a wand <clears throat> and can't fucked use up, actually. any of the others because they're all unique... Yeah. How many dragons have to die, Ollivander? Wait, I happen to be a member a of people use for the ethical treatment of dragons on Facebook. I'm a founding <laughs> member, and I have a problem with this. <laughs> well, luckily in this case, no dragons were harmed. Right. Just Malagasters. Yes. Yeah. Those guys were killed in a million. And they're, they're <laughs> she, like, we're like, like, wampus hair, they, they just take the hair, right? And then the jackalope antlers, like, they probably shed them yeah. so they can find them. You know, yeah. it's like the Snallygaster is the big, the sacrifice here. Yeah. Well, I also want to talk about this whole uh, Native American aspect here. That I am interested in that, but let's read a little bit more about okay, it first. Okay, let's go. Because uh, I feel like there's going to be more information. Okay. In 1634, the homeschool had, gr- uh, blah, blah, uh, had grown beyond the Isolde family's wildest dreams. The house expanded with every passing year. More students had arrived, and while the school was still small, there were enough children to fill Webster's dream of inter-house competitions. Yay! <laughs> However, as the school's reputation had not yet expanded beyond the local Native American tribes and European settlers, there were no borders. The only people to stay at Ilvermorny overnight were Isolt, James, Chadwick, Webster, and the twin girls to whom Isolt had now given birth. Martha, named for James's late mother, and Ryonach, named for Isolt. What kind of name is that? It's an Irish name, <laughs> incidentally. So I don't have, know how you pronounce no. that. Maybe uh, somebody They got four kids quick. now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Gormlate's Revenge. The Happy Busy busy family had no idea that grave danger was approaching them from afar. News had reached the old country that a new magical school had been set up in Massachusetts. The rumor was that the headmistress had been nicknamed Morgan after after the famous Irish witch. However, it was only when she heard that the name of the school was Ilvermorny that Gormlate could believe that Isolt had managed to travel all the way to America undetected. To marry, not just a muggle-born, but an actual muggle! Oh god! And to open a school... That educated anybody with a shred of magic. The What's indecency. Next? What's next? Do we just marry animals now? Cats and dogs living together with humans. <laughs> Ugh. Wait, just. so just point of order. I looked it up. And it's pronounced Rienya, which means queenly. <coughs> oh, like hmm. Regina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Rienya. Oh, okay. So. Rienya. Uh, Gormley. 
Ready? Gormite had purchased yeah. a wand at the despised Oleanders to replace the precious family wand that had been handed down through the generations before Isolde stole it. Oh, that's cool. Determined that her niece would not know of her coming until it was too late, she unknowingly imitated Isolde by disguising herself as a man to make the crossing to America on the ship Bonaventure. Bonaventure. Wickedly, she traveled under the name of William Sayer, which was that of Isolde's murdered father. Gormleth landed in Virginia and made her way stealthily towards Massachusetts and Mount Greylock. Reaching the mountain on a winter's night, she intended to lay waste to the second overmorning, slaughter the parents who had thwarted her ambition of a great purebud family, steal the great nieces who were the last to carry the sacred bloodline, and return them to Hags. But there has also been, this like, is the same plan. Like, right? How did that, that work? So it's Star Wars Seven, where it's just like the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like. But this time it'll go slightly different. <laughs> okay, well, let me read it. At her first sight of the large granite building rising in the darkness from the peak of Mount Greylock, Gormleth sent a powerful curse containing Isolt and James' names toward the house, which forced them into an enchanted slumber. Next, she uttered a single syllabic word in Parseltongue, the language of the snakes. The wand that had served Isolt so faithfully for many years quivered once on the bed sand beside her as she slept and became inactive. Oh no. In all the years that she had lived with it, Isolt had never known that she had held in her hand the wand of Salazar Slytherin, one of the founders of Hogwarts, cool, and that it contained a fragment of a magical snake's horn, in this case, a basilisk. Oh, cool, that's probably why she can talk to whatever. Yeah. But also because she's a descendant of uh, Yeah, Salazar Slytherin. Slytherin. I was also thinking that might be why, until I'm part of your family, your, or my family, until you're part of my family, your family is doomed or something. Oh, okay. It might have to do with Sal- uh, Slytherin. Yeah, maybe. Descendants. Yeah. So, yeah. Or, or maybe it's like the the break from specifically like that you know become my family this new like American the horn snake family as opposed to the basilisk right you know it's just like that distinction of like hey we're all we're not all baddies you just make the <laughs> choice to be mm. anyway continue the one had been taught by its creator to sleep when so instructed and this secret had been handed down through the centuries to each member of Slytherin's family who possessed it. I have a question. Why would you do that? Why would you teach... Why would you have a magical word that if somebody spoke well, if it... Well, you could... If you were... If you dueled and lost, you could make the one inactive so that the... Yeah, it's like having a, a safety on a gun. I guess. Yeah. But in America, we don't need safety <laughs> on a gun. You can pry our wands from our cold, dead hands. <laughs> I think that's what she tends to do. <laughs> I just, like Gormith, it, I found that really weird. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's totally for like dueling purposes and like or like the idea that like yeah, it's like you know because when wizards duel, the winner can take control of the person's yeah. wand. But like if so, like if Salazar ever lost and he told it to sleep and it didn't, you know, yeah, and the other person couldn't use it, then they'd be like, oh, here's your wand back. Fuck you. Also, also... <laughs> I guess I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I want to say a thing about Salazar Slytherin real quick, because I, I have a Harry Potter discussion group, don't judge me, and we've been going through the books, and, like, at a certain point, you find out that Hogwarts was founded during this, you know, um, you know, witch trials phase in Europe. And so uh-huh. the fact that Salazar Slytherin is so against muggles, you're like, maybe his whole family was burned as witches by muggles. Like, that makes sense, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So anyway, continue. That's clever. What Gormith did not know was that there were no- two other occupants of the house whom she had not put to sleep, for she had never he- heard of 16-year-old Chadwick and 14-year-old Webster. The other thing she did not know was that 
was what lay at the hearts of their wands, the horn of the river serpent. These wands did not become inactive when Gormit spoke her word of, word of Parseltongue. On the contrary, their magical course vibrated the sound of ancient language, and sensing danger to their masters, began to emit low musical note, exactly as the horn serpent sounds danger. Cool! Yeah. Both booth boys woke and leapt out of bed. Chadwick looked instinctively through the window, creeping through the trees toward the house with a silhouette of Gormlaith Gaunt. Like all children, Chadwick had heard and understood more than his adoptive parents had ever imagined. They might have thought that he they had shielded him from any knowledge of the murderous Gormley, but they were wrong. As a small boy, Chadwick had overheard Assault discussing her reasons for escaping Island, and little though she and James realized it, Chadwick's dreams had been haunted by the figure of an old witch creeping through the trees toward Zilvermorn. Now he saw his nightmare made true. Oh shit. I hope she just I hope like he destroys her. <laughs> I hope this is this is gonna be a good battle. Like, oh. Gormleith was not expecting to meet a teenage wizard when she and she underestimated him at first. Chadwick parried her curse expertly and began to duel. With a few within a few minutes, Gormleith, though far more powerful than Chadwick, was forced to concede that the talented boy had been well taught. Even as she sent curses at his head in an attempt to subdue him and drove him back towards the house, she questioned him about his parentage, for she said they she would be loath to kill a pure blood of his talent. Oh my god, she's huh. so crazy. I know. She's literally fighting him and then is like, Who's your mom and dad? What's his like, <laughs> name? <laughs> Do you she, know who your great grandparents were? And they're like, Fuck, <laughs> bitch, we're orphans, god damn it. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're she... nuts. <laughs> May I continue? Yes. yes. Meanwhile, Webster was trying to shake his parents awake, but the enchantment lay so deeply upon them that not even the sound of Gormley's shouts and the curses hitting the house roused them. Webster, therefore, hurtled downstairs, enjoying the duel now raging just outside the house. Two uh, on two one made her job more difficult. Moreover, the twin cores of Boot Boy's wands, when used together against a common enemy, increased their power tenfold. Even so, Gormley's magic was strong and dark enough to match them. Now the duel reached extraordinary proportions, Gormley still laughing and promising them mercy if they could prove their pure blood credentials. Chadwick and Webster determined to stop her reaching their family. Their brothers were driven back inside Overmorny. Walls cracked and windows shattered. But still, Assault and James slept, until the baby girls lying up upstairs woke and screamed in fear. It was this that pierced the enchantment lying over Assault and James. Rage and magic could not wake them, but the terrified screams of their daughters broke the curse Gormleth had laid upon them, which, like Gormleth herself, herself, took no account of the power of love. Aw, isn't that a common story? Yeah. It's the power of love. The weapon we have, Harry, is love. <laughs> he still screamed at James to go to the girls. She ran to assist her adoptive sons, Slytherin's wand in her hand. Only when she raised it to attack her hated aunt did she realize that for all the good it would do her, the sleeping wand might as well have been a stick she had found on the ground. Gloating, Gormith drove Isolt, Chadwick, and Webster upstairs, to the st- uh, backwards up the stairs, towards the place where she could hear her great nieces crying. Finally, she managed to blast open the doors to their bedroom, where James stood, ready to die in, a f- in front of the cribs of his daughters. This sounds familiar. Sure. Mm, yeah, yeah, that all was lost. Isolt cried out, hardly knowing what she said for her murdered father. Oh my god. I just want to... <laughs> but I also... Okay, sorry, go ahead. Like, where is, like, a gun? Like, doesn't James have a gun? Or, this or, like, is America. He should something? have a gun. He should have at least one gun. At least two. I mean... I always think about that. He was a true like, American. But think about it, like, but also, like, very rationally, like, he might have actually had one if he was yeah. going to go right. off into the woods to find his friends. Like, he probably That's what I'm saying. Like, what kind of pioneer is he? 
Well, I mean, why don't I, like, wizard... It wouldn't surprise me if it was just something that like laid up against the wall and they didn't really need it because Azul used magic for hunting. Magic. It said that she used it to hunt and do all this stuff. But then, like, what you think? Like, oh, this is the moment. Like, this is the only thing I have to defend myself. Like, well, and like, just moreover, like, why don't guns ever exist in Harry Potter stories? Like, I think. Well, because they they're just... English. What? They're English. They just, the guns still like, I know they, they have exist. guns in England and like, I know like they exist, not like, like many <laughs> well, but, but like within the within the wizarding community they don't need them because they have their wands right. so like if they were to go outside of like the magical community they probably would encounter them but they don't like in this like in sure, Harry they don't right. they stay within their but this is a good example of one a place where like it would logically be like in the home like yeah. you said and like available and useful and additionally, like, there's so many, like, YouTube videos of, like, how Harry Potter could have ended, and Snape goes back in time with the time turner and just fucking <laughs> shoots, shoots, like, <laughs> Voldemort, yeah. I'm like, done and done. Okay, like, well... I wish that she had, she could spin a tale about, like, oh, I can... We, guns are so easily disarmed by magic that it's not a problem. Like, that well, he sentence he would be, didn't like, enough. He need to use a gun. He could have, like, cursed him. But regardless, this gun fanaticism is... <laughs> Matthew. I'm... I'm completely upon Matthew. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying a lot of things have been solved in this in this whole saga if someone just like pulled out a nine. What I think <laughs> is that she is English and that is not her first thought about guns because hmm. it's they're illegal for private citizens to own unless they're hunting sure. rifles. So she's not like they just go in the back and get their gun like they don't <laughs> have the gun. <laughs> I suppose that's true. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. What if one of those sweet baby girls mistakes the gun for a wand and points it at their face? <laughs> that does I mean, happen that, in that, America. That happens it's a long quite a lot. That happens yeah. in America all the time. It's a long tradition of people blasting yeah. their faces. We have out. a long tradition of, like, babies killing babies. Yeah. My point is, I just want to see, like, a wizard deflect a bullet once so I know it's possible and that, like, guns are not a useful tool and then whatever, I'll forget about the whole thing. I agree. You know? I think that's a good idea. Maybe this movie will clear it up, Matthew. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. You write a letter, please. <laughs> write to a letter. Write a face. tweet. She responds to tweets sometimes. That's true. <laughs> Dear J.K. Rowling, why no guns? Why no guns? <laughs> I'm American. Please include more guns in your movies right. and books. <laughs> Pander to us. <laughs> All right, let me go. go. A great clatter sounded in the moonlight sounded, and the moonlight was blocked from the room as William the Pukwudgie appeared on the windowsill. Ah! Yay! Before Gormuth knew what had happened, a poison arrow tip had pierced her through the heart. Damn. She let let out an unearthly scream that was heard for miles around. The old witch had indulged in all manner of dark magic in the attempt to make herself invincible, and these curses now reacted with the Pukwudgie's venom, causing her to become as solid and as brittle as coal before shattering into a thousand pieces. The Ollivander wand fell to the ground and burst. All that was left of Gormith gone was a pile of smoking dust, a broken stick, and a charred dragon heart string. Da, da, da. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Huh, so really she? quick, so she called out for her dad by his first name. Yep. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, she called, and the Pugwudgie thought it was him that she was calling. Out. Right, right. But it's like, it's like, so she's like, she called out for her yeah. father, but instead of being like, Daddy, she was That's like, That's weird. You're right. I didn't think of my that. My dad. I didn't think yeah. of that. William the father. <laughs> William, my father. <laughs> it's also like 1600. Like, they did weird. They said weird things like that. I guess. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. That, that's valid. I don't I don't feel like they would have called their 
parents by their first names, but they were a, clearly a really like kind of progressive, radical family. <laughs> you know, like her parents were like really like big hippies. She married quite a frankly. muggle. I mean, come on. Yeah. Huh? Oh, I please let's not talk about it. It makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Let's just pretend they're all mud, uh, pure bloods. Pure bloods. Just, okay. James is a squib. It's. Fine. <laughs> I'm sorry to offend your sensibilities. <laughs> William had saved the family's lives. In exchange for their gratitude, he merely barked that he noticed Isolt had not bothered to say his name for a decade, and that he was offended that she only called for him when in fear of her imminent death. Isolt was too tactful to point out that she had been calling on different James. <laughs> different or different Williams. <laughs> James was delighted to meet the Pugwudgie of whom he had heard so much, and forgetting that Pugwudgies hate most humans, he wrung the perplexed William's hand and said how glad he was that he had named one of, his, one of the houses of Ilvermorny after him. <laughs> It's so cute. It is widely believed that this piece of flattery that softened William's heart because he moved his family of Puckwedges into the house the next day and complaining constantly of, unusual, of as usual, helped them repair the damage that Gormaith had wreaked. He then announced that the wizards were too dim to protect themselves and negotiated a hefty retainer in gold for acting as the school's private security maintenance service. I love, awesome. I love how they're like <laughs> angry, pissed off house elves. They're like yeah, really basically. condescending house elves. <laughs> like you, Who, like, that's the American way, damn it! Right. <laughs> they negotiated themselves into like servitude, <laughs> as opposed. I mean, like yes, well, they're getting kinda. paid, so they're not like they're not yeah. like house elves in the sense that they're slaves. But it's like that idea of just like, <coughs> you know what? I'm gonna let like years and years of like hatred and you know, I'm gonna let all of that go if you pay me a shit ton of money. Like, <laughs> I'll just. I'll just pretend like that history doesn't exist. I think they're doing and it for I'll come love. Clean up your shit for you. That's, that's right. kind of how like people survive. Like that's everyone you know. I think <laughs> they're like you know they're like cats. They're like you can't take care of yourself yeah. as a human, but I'll I'll be here. I'll lick your face so that you are clean, <laughs> right. and I'll bring, I'll bring you, you dinner because you're a big hairless cat with no claws, and you can't <laughs> can't hunt for yourself. So how I will you take care of it. Possibly catch anything. That's right. <laughs> You're so big and lumbering. Also, you have to give me lots of gold. That's right. Give me lots of snacks and pets <laughs> on the head, and then we will be even. <laughs> <laughs> Slytherin's legacy. Slytherin's wand remained inactive following Gourmet's command in Parsifal. Isolt could not speak the language, but in any case, she no longer wanted to touch the wand that was the last relic of her unhappy childhood. She and James buried it outside the grounds. Within a year, an unknown species of snakewood tree had grown out of the earth on the spot where the wand was buried. Snakewood? Is that even a thing? I don't know. I was, gonna, I was literally just thinking you the just same. made that shit up <laughs> because it has the word snake in it. It resisted all attempts to prune or kill it, but after several years, the leaves were found to contain powerful medicinal properties. This tree seemed testament to the fact that Slytherin's wand, like his scattered descendants, encompassed both noble and ignoble. The very best of him seemed to have migrated to America. Okay. Aww. Growth of the school. Ilvermorny's reputation grew steadily throughout the following years. The Granite House expanded to a castle. More teachers were recruited to meet the growing demand. Now witch and wizard children from all over North America were being sent to learn there, and it became a boarding school. By the 19th century, Ilvermorny had gained the international reputation it enjoys today. For many years, Isolt and Jade remained joint headmaster and headmistress, as beloved to many generations of students as members of their own families. Chadwick became an accomplished and well-traveled wizard, who authored Chadwick's Charms Volume 1 through through seven. Wait, was that was in the? It was wasn't yeah, that yeah. in the Harry Potter books. So. That was like their textbook. I don't know. I it sounds familiar, so maybe. Which are standard texts at Ilvermorny, anyways. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he married a Mexican healer named 
called Josefina Calderon, and the Calderon boot family remains one of the wizarding wizard, of Wizarding America's most prominent today. Ooh, That's kind of nice. Yeah. Prior to the creation of M A C U S A Macusa, the Macusa, the Magical Congress of the United States of America, the New World was. Sh- What's the A stand for? Nah. <laughs> it's the magical. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. It's mad. What's the A stand for? I've been trying to figure this the out. The second letter like, of magical. Mad. That's what it's yeah. magical. The magical American Congress of the United States <laughs> of America. <laughs> the New World was short of wizarding law enforcement. Webster Boot became what would be what would now be known as an aura for hire. Yeah. While reparating a particularly nasty dark wizard to London, Webster met and fell in love with a young Scottish witch who was working at the Ministry of Magic. Thus did the Boot family return to its home country. Webster's descendants would be educated at Hogwarts. Really quick, very cool. I think if you guys look at Dumbledore's army, mm-hmm. um, there one. So one of his descendants is on the is on the list. Oh, really? His name's Terry Boot. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there's still like that family continues, and so cool and up until like Harry's time. That's awesome. Yeah, I happened to like, I was like reading that and then I forget what it was. I think it was honestly, I think it was like, you can use this for a, a case for your phone kind of thing. And they had different stuff. And one of them was like the letter, like, you know, the letter for your Hogwarts thing. Or one was the Dumbledore's army list. And I happened to notice that. And I was like, holy shit. That's hmm. awesome. I love how she does that and in like interweaves history. Yeah. yeah. It's Terry, Terry, Terry Boots. Boot. I'm going to go. Dumbledore's army. Can we continue? Yeah, go ahead. Martha, the elder of James and Assault's twins, was a squib. Deeply loved, though Martha was by her parents and adopted brothers, it was painful for her to grow up at Ilvermorey when she was unable to perform magic. She eventually married the non-magical brother of a friend from the Palco-Mooch tribe and lived henceforth as a nomad. Rhinoch, the youngest of James and Assault's daughter, taught defense against the dark arts at Ilvermorey for many years. Rhinoch never married, there was a murmur, never confirmed by her family, that unlike her sister Martha, Rhinoch was born with the ability to speak Parseltongue, and that she was determined not to pass on the Slytherin ancestry to the next generation. Ooh, no. The American branch of the family was unaware that Gormlaith was not the last of the gods, and that the line continued in England. Isolde and James both lived, both lived to be over 100. They had seen the cottage of Illumorni become a granite castle, and they died in the knowledge that their school was now famous for magical families was so famous that magical families all over North America were clamoring to educate their children there. They had hired staff, they had built dormitories, they had concealed their school from nomad eyes by clever enchantments. In short, the girl who had dreamed of attending Hogwarts had helped found the North American equivalent. Over morning today. As might be expected of a school part founded by nomad, Overmorning has the reputation of being one of the most democratic, least elitist of all great wizarding schools. I'm firing my gun to the air for freedom USA. and democracy. USA. Also, it's like July 3rd, so I think we're all just a little yeah, right. <laughs> Marble statues of Isolt and James flank the front doors of Ilhomorny Castle. The doors open onto a circular room topped by a glass cupola. cupola. The wooden balcony runs around the room, one floor above. Otherwise, the space is empty for four enormous wooden carvings representing the houses. The Horned Serpent, the Panther Wampus, the Thunderbird, and the Puckbudgie. While the rest of the school watches from the circular balcony overhead, new students file into their own entrance hall. They stand around the walls and one by one are called to stand on the symbol of the Gordian Knot set in the middle of the stone floor. 
In silence, the school then waits for the enchanted carvings to react. If the horned serpents, serpent wants the student, the crystal set into its forehead will light up. If the wampus wants the student, it roars. If the thunderbird signifies its approval by beating its wings, and the pukwudgie will raise an arrow in the air. See, this would be super cool to read uh, as, like, a narrative. Right? Like, that yeah. whole process would be just, like, oh, like, the the wonder of Hogwarts all all over yeah, again. Yeah, I agree. You know? And, like, in a, and in a really, like, really beautiful, like, inter, you know, like, similar, like, the idea of the the houses and stuff, but, like, the fact that they were carved from wood and that they, like, the house themselves, there's not, like, a hat. It's, like, the house itself embraces you, and I yeah. like that. I guess that's my point, though. It's, this, this should have been a book. Yeah, I agree. But maybe we'll get something. Yeah. Should more than one carving signify its wish to include the student in his house, the choice rests with the student. Very rarely, perhaps once a decade, a student is offered a place in all four houses. Serafina Picari, president of Muska 1920-1928, was the only witch of her generation to be so honored, and that ha- she chose the Horned Serpent. It is sometimes said of the Ilvermorny houses that they represent the whole witch or wizard. The mind is represented by the Horned Serpent, the body of the Wampus, the heart of the Pukwudgie, and the soul of the Thunderbird. Others say that Horned Serpent favors scholars, Wampus favors warriors, Pukwudgie healers, and Thunderbird adventurers. The sorting ceremony is the only major difference between Hogwarts and Ilfamorn, though in so many ways the schools resemble each other. Once students have been allocated to a house, they are led into a large hall where they select, or are selected by, a wand. Until 1965, repeal of Rappaport's law, which enforced very strict conformity to the statutes of secrecy, no child was allowed a wand until they arrived at Ilfamorn. Moreover, wands had to be left at Ilfamorn during vacations, and only upon attaining 17 years of age was the witch or wizard legally allowed to carry a wand outside school. The robes of Ilvermorny are blue and cranberry. Mm. The colors honor James and Assault. Blue because it was Assault's favorite color and because she had wished to be in Ravenclaw House as a child. Aww. Cranberry in honor of James and of Cranberry Pie. True that, though. <laughs> I love Good how it's James. Really cranberry Pie. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> like, Cranberry Pie? I love how it's Is like this, this nice, like, sentimental reason it was her favorite color and she wanted to yeah, be in Ravenclaw. Be. And then it's like, James likes cranberries. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's like a muggle, so he's just like, whatever, I'm just like a dog. <laughs> like, he has no horse in this race at all. <laughs> and James loves cranberries for their UTI healing purposes. <laughs> he's like, uh, just like a mascot more than anything. I know, he was like their pet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like their pet muggle. Or no, nomad. Nomad, sorry. Go ahead. Anyways, all Ivermore students' robes are fastened by a gold Gordian knot in memory of the brooch the souls found in the ruins of the original Ivermore cottage. A number of Pukwudgies continue to work at the school into the present day, all grumbling, all of them insisting that they have no wish to remain there, and yet all of them mysteriously present year after year. There's one particularly aged creature who answers to the name of William. He laughs at the idea that he is the original William who saved Assault and James' lives, right, rightly pointing out that the first William would be over 300 years old had he survived. However, nobody has ever found out exactly how long Pukwudgies live. William refuses to let anybody else polish the marble statue of Assault at the entrance to the school. And on the anniversary of her death every year, he may be seen laying Mayflowers on her tomb. Something that puts him in a particularly bad temper if anyone is tactless enough to mention it. He's so cute. Aww. The end! The end! Yay! Yeah, so that's, that's uh, Ilvermory. What do you think? I feel like that should have been a couple movies or a couple books. Right, it could have. That would have been nice. Yeah. Oh well. Womp womp. Womp womp. But um, I... <laughs> I have ever done a couple things. One is why so many orphans? 
But we already talked <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. That. Um, yeah. The... I like how the muggle helped found the school. I kind of... I mean, we did, you know, talked about him being a pet, but it's also, like, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I guess, and, like, it, that kind of makes it cool that it's, like, a, a more democratic and, like, egalitarian than, like, your your average magical school. Yeah. Well, and, too, it's, like, the idea that, like, you, like, everyone, everyone is an individual. So, like, with, like, Hermione, like, both of her parents were muggles, but she was born with magic. You know, so it's like, and then, and then magical families have squibs who don't, are not able to perform magic. So it just furthers, I think, this idea of like, everybody is an individual and everybody, like, just because of your family, like who your parents are, doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be magical or non-magical. And so you should be able to like, make the choice and incorporate it. And Mm. I feel like James is special because she also goes so far as to mention like, He's not afraid of it. So there is a level of like... And he's also super sexy. Probably more muggles would be involved. He's super sexy. sexy, As far as we know. It's great. But it's like probably more muggles would be like incorporated into the magical world if they weren't like scared of it. So... Yeah, that's true. At first... Like Hermione's parents obviously accepted it and allowed her to go and knew she was magical. You know? Just like, like, you know. I always had this weird thing like... For instance, Hermione's parents, when they get this letter from this weird-ass school who want to teach their daughter magic, are they just like, dude, totally, I'm going to send my child <laughs> to this crazy person in the woods in Scotland. Like, what were they thinking? What? How did that come to pass? Like, I imagine well, that like all the muggle children's, uh, or all the, uh, the magical children of muggle parents probably get like personal visits from some magical person. That makes sense. So that they sense. can be like... Look it, it works. Like, look at this wand. I can turn your teacup into a rat, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, but, um, what's her, oh gosh, um, Aunt Petunia yeah. makes a point right. of, like, because, you know, Lily's, Lily's parents, like, she was born into a muggle family, and so, like, Petunia talks about, like, oh, yeah, like, we have a witch in the family, and it was so exciting, and nobody saw how, you know, how weird it was, and I was the only one who realized she was just this weirdo. And she also says so, that like, Dumbledore does come to tell her that she's a wizard. Uh, a wizard. Like, a witcher. Witcher. I was saying witch and then wizard and widget. A witcher. <laughs> witcher. So she, yeah, she says, like, that Dumbledore came to their house to tell their parents Aww. that she's a witch. That's what you would call a, a transgender witch. <laughs> oh, wizard. a witcher. It, a witcher. A, a witcher. <laughs> it's like Richard, it's witch- but cooler. <laughs> it's a witch, a wizard, and a witcher. <laughs> a lion, a witch, and a witcher. <laughs> a witcher. Anyways. Um, I want to um, talk a little bit about the um, the Native American yeah. stuff. I, yeah, there should have been more. There should have been a lot Honestly, more. Honestly, I a whole lot think more that the this is the misstep that she is about to take. That if she doesn't acknowledge the the struggle between the settlers and the Native Americans and like the hardship that Native Americans faced, I. And the fact that they were forced to convert to Christianity yeah. and give up their like just... own beliefs, which included certain like magical, yeah, like beliefs and rituals, and it can't just be like all sunshine and rainbows. Like that's how she's kind of portrayed yeah. it so far. And you're like, I get what you're doing, and I appreciate it, but I don't think this is correct. Like I don't. She's not American, which is why she's not sensitive to it. I think that's why. I can see a few different ways of thinking about this, though. Like for instance, in the Harry Potter books. Like, the muggle concerns are just not part of the magical world. Right. Like, they just don't feature in the books at all. 
And so, like, uh, that part of it, I can see just being left out. Like, the, like the, the, all the stuff that happens in the muggle world is completely secondary to the magical world. And that's the world we know and we're talking about now. Right. So, like, if she leaves it out, I could understand it from that perspective. But I think you're right that it needs a mention. Yeah. And Moreover, well, this idea, too, that it's like, oh, we started making wands for these Native American families who have magic users. So, How is it going like, before so when they Right. right. And that's kind of like, what I want to see. I'm going to take my wand and blow up all these settlers who are pissing us off and trying to take our shit or whatever. Well, that's what I want to see is that, like, how were the Native magic Americans doing magic before, before the wands, before the training? And I think that should feature heavily in Overmorny's, like, curriculum. Like, should it be, like... Heavily, like, slanted towards Native American magic. I think that that is where the whole uh, no wand magic came in. That I remember it was, like, an interview she did or something that she was saying that Native American magic doesn't require a wand. And so the the school became... They're not necessarily they didn't have wands, but they taught a lot of magic that didn't require wands. Interesting. Um, I'd like to see what more like that's what about. Because, like, I could see that also being, like, a really dangerous misstep for her. Being, like... This is a culture I don't know anything about, so let's just like make up some racist kind of like mumbo jumbo that they do, right? You know? Yeah, that's magic. And I think that, yeah, I think she was asked. But it could co- also be really cool, right? I think it could be really awesome. And as she was asked a question at a certain point about American wizards and the civil rights movement, which is a question I would not have touched with a ten foot pole. But she <laughs> was like, "No, um, yeah, wizards didn't have those concerns." And I was like. But, like, people were dying in the streets, uh, so... Yeah. Like... But, I, I mean, and, like, I guess I guess probably what she's trying to get across was the same thing that you just said, Matt, where yeah. it's like, well, they had their own communities, yes. and they just stay... You know what I mean? So they did isolate themselves. But, yeah, I imagine it's like, in America, you'd have to really isolate yourself yeah. to yeah. be so oblivious and so, like, unconcerned. And I, I kind of agree. And I think part of it, though, is, like... Their inequality in the wizarding community is focused more on purebloods and mudbloods or whatever, mm-hmm. as and that's their struggle. And so whatever everyone else is talking about, they're like, whatever. We're you know this that's we're not concerned with that. We're concerned with this. So. But it seems like ridiculous to think that like as a black person or an Native American person, if you see your whole like village get slaughtered or your whole like. Like, people of the color of your skin getting, like, hung in the streets. Yeah. And, like, just because you're magical, you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you like, know? you're not... Like, there has to be some kind of... This like, doesn't really affect me because, yes, I'm a black person, but I'm a magical black person. Yeah. So, I live in my own, like, you know, witch or wizard community, so... But that seems so unrealistic. Though, yeah. Like. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with yeah, you. I'm okay. saying that I think that's pretty Especially in these early days with the settlers and the, the tribes clashing, like, that just doesn't make any sense. Just because, like, they're, it's like a physical, they are taking the land. Like, they can't just be totally cool with that, you know? Well, I mean, but it took a long time for that to, like, become a problem, yeah. you know? Like, and that's what I'm saying, like, like, not in this story specifically, but in the near future of this story. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, yeah, they lived to be over 100 years old, so they saw, or they were alive and present for all of that shit right. to go it's down. That's probably true, yeah. Yeah, and also for the first slaves to come into America, so... Some of whom were probably magical. Yeah, and... They had to have uh, yeah, if Yeah, if we have African-American wizards in the present day, which I'm assuming we do. I don't know. But it's just, it's it's an interesting 
idea. I really <laughs> like how she incorporated Native American wizards. I just hope that she does it correctly. And does more of yeah. it instead of just like a like a like a tokenism, right? You know, kind of thing. And I think it like. I would really like the whole school to be very influenced by it. like their their thoughts exactly, yeah. and their like even though she's Irish, just a lot of Native American teachers and um, you know it would be cool culture. to see like a different like it's literally a different school of magic and it'd be cool to see that reflected in the way they do magic. Yeah, there. yeah. Like you know I I don't know exactly how it would work out, but a lot <gasps> more maybe chanting or something to like do spells just, over long periods of time or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You guys, what? so like the divination class would be like the the like the spirit quest. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like like that would be like amazing. You know, like this idea of you know like something that I guess in some ways has kind of become like a stereotype for like Native American culture. It's like, oh yeah, you take a bunch of drugs and you go out into the wilderness and find <laughs> your spirit animal. It's like, well, that's what we have dumped it down to because we're really ignorant. But, like, the original idea of, like, going on this journey to look inward and, and that self-reflection and how that can help you, like... That could be how your, they find their... See your future, um, you know? Like, find their Patronuses instead of just, like, your Patronuses. spitting Patronuses out. Yes. That's your spirit animal, essentially. Like, yeah. And they have to do that spirit quest to find their Patronus or whatever. Yeah. But another thing, like, I, I mean, bet I just... it involves a lot more campfires. Yeah. A lot more, like, sitting around fires yeah. and, like, stuff like that. Yeah, I like. I think it'd be cool to like see the differences, you know. I I agree, and I I kind of I just read the fourth book where um, uh, Bobaton and um, uh, Durmstrang was you know came to Hogwarts, and I was like, yeah. I would just really like to know more about these other schools. Like this just sounds yeah. awesome. And I think actually that's a good place where she can give up the reins. J.K. Rowling can a little bit like give up the reins a little bit because she's written about Hogwarts, which is like the school. For that we're familiar with, but if she were to go give it over to a different author for a different school, it would almost make sense. Like it's a logical break. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I mean, that's true. I don't think that's going to happen. And I would no, no. Hesit- I, I would hope it wouldn't. Yeah. But I would hesitate. If it had to. To just because like they're not going to be as awesome as J.K. Rowling, <laughs> like well, she could help. Obviously, them. also there's probably tons of fan fiction that exists <laughs> for those other schools that's true. already. Like you could probably find something that isn't. Well, I think that she could she could talk. I mean, she could co-author it with someone. I think that would yeah, exactly. Yeah, like even if she did like the first two books and then like let just gave it off completely. Yeah, I mean, I do want to talk about this orphans thing though. That's okay. Let's go back to it. We're just just talking about like other schools and stuff. It's like my immediate thought was like, yeah, they could follow some other orphan at this (laughs) other school. (laughs) Lots of orphans. I just like this whole idea. This whole idea that you can't do anything or be special you have to have this really traumatic catalyst well that's true to have an amazing life which isn't you know i mean like you look at like her secondary characters like none of them really have like the trauma that harry has like yeah you know hermione's parents are super loving and supportive and like ron's parents are obviously like super loving and supportive but like harry's the chosen one but then even like neville who's like the backup orphan, <laughs> he's the backup chosen one He's the backup chosen one and plays a really important and part. And might be the chosen one, incidentally. <laughs> right. Like, 
So it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> you can't, you know, and it's like, Zolta's orphaned because her aunt killed her parents, a- murders her parents, and then she finds these other orphan children, and then you assume James has no family because he just decides to walk off into the woods for forever. <laughs> like, he never goes home. Yeah, he doesn't seem to so have you a assume he's that. an. I assumed he's an orphan, because like, I'm gonna go find my friends, and then never return. <laughs> Well, it could just be like a single guy that went to the New World and didn't have any family except for his friends. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, but he's not an orphan. He just he probably has a family back in England. He's just like not can't go back there. <laughs> Effectively, an orphan. He, he orphaned he himself. Yeah. that's how dedicated well, he is. Also, I to brought. I want to say that I, I saw a really funny meme online. It was like, um, uh, it was like someone was like, if Harry Potter had been aborted, who would have defeated Voldemort? <laughs> And then right underneath it, it was Neville. like, Neville Longbottom, God damn it! read the books. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I too. did see that, and I laughed for like a smooth ten minutes. I was like, I love Harry Potter fans so much. Uh, yeah, it's like, just like, no, like Neville Longbottom, Jesus Christ, read the book. Read a book. Read a book. I also I want to point out that, like, it's not uh, unique to her, this orphan thing. Like, in classical stories, the hero is always either an orphan or a son of a god. Or both. And, like, you know, like, um, Jesus, the son of a god, obviously. Um, Spider-Man is an orphan. Um, Superman, orphan. (laughs) Jesus, Superman, (laughs) you know. All the big ones. All the big ones. Superman. Well, like, Hercules. Superman is orphan and the son of gods because they're aliens and, like, super-powered. And, like, Batman, orphaned. You know, lots of orphans, okay, that change the world. Well, yeah. I, I agree, and, like, I wonder why that is. Like, there's got to be some It's a It's a classical, it. like, it's a story trope from classical trope. times. Like, lots of... You need that You need that adversity. You need that yeah. trauma to, like, put you on the path of, you it's know... It's a hero's like, quest. This really bad thing happened... Right. It's like, this really bad thing happened to you where you watched your parents get murdered. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, it's, like, from, like, ancient Greek stories and, like, Roman stories. Yeah. It's a, it's a old, the, old thing. You you Greeks and us your Greeks, love of orphans. Greeks. I, I just wonder about the psychology of it. Like, yeah, it's, I guess it's like uh, Lauren was saying, like, there's some catalyst that knocks you out of your normal, everyday kind of goings-on yeah. and makes you strive a little bit harder. Yeah. But there's other ways to, like, manufacture that kind of... Uh, like be psychosis. friends with an orphan. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, like, <laughs> there's other ways of like, there's other types of trauma that don't aren't like quite so dramatic. That well, because I feel like, like it's physical. so like overused. Oh yeah, and, like a lot of things like that. You know, like it could just be like, I want to do good or something. You know. Yeah, and I think now we're moving. Right. I mean, like specifically right now in culture, people aren't really looking for that kind of story just because it is overused. But like in five years, it'll be back in you know vogue again. True. So. It's just one of those, it's, the thing is that, like, a lot of these myths and stories that come up again and again, they're so popular because they speak to something inside us. And, like, things like, you know, Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella, these stories are, like, rewritten 50 million times in 50 million ways just because they resonate with everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to be, you know, uh, find the Prince Charming or, like, uh they want to be the person who discovers that someone isn't as horrible as they seem. I mean, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but just all of these things. Well, no, no, no. In relationships, we're trying to, like, change people, and we we want to be the person that, 
changes somebody. Right. It's that like, changes you know, their that, life. that idea of like, I can save yeah. him. I can right. do this. Like, I mean, that's pretty common. Yeah. All these stories. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they do get retold all the time, I guess. Like, you know, it's very classic tropes like man versus man right. versus society, man versus nature, man against self. Right. Like, those were some simple ones. But, like, and, like, I guess they all get rewritten, you know? Like, Luke was an right. orphan. Kind of. <laughs> Mostly. No. Well, he, he was well, by the end. Technically. Technically. <laughs> effectively, he was te- an orphan, yeah. Technically, if you lose either one of your parents, <coughs> you're... You are orphaned. Yeah. What? So, like, if you're... Yeah, I remember, like, kind of studying this, and it was... There's, like... There's thoughts that, like, yeah, so if you... Like, if you lose your mother, like, you're... Like, necessarily, your parents don't have to die. So, like, Luke was an orphan because his mother died, and he was estranged from his father. Like, he yeah. never knew his father. So, yeah. he was an orphan because... <laughs> and of those, all of the yeah. books, like, there's a ton of books that I will, like, oh, that looks good, and I'll start reading the synops, uh, the, and it'll be, like... After the tragic death of her parents, I'm like, I don't care. And then, like, it's just, like, yeah. every single, <laughs> almost, I'd say, 80% of the books that I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And I start reading, and they're like, after the car crash that killed her parents, I'm like, I don't care anymore. So, yeah. like, it's, like, literally that that much of a thing right now for me that I'm like, I don't want to read about any more orphans. Like, just chill with the orphan stuff. Totally. And I think that's a big part of, like, Harry Potter and why, like, he, it's, it's you know, in the book series, it's something that, like, continually comes up, which is, like, I didn't ask for this. If I could be living with my parents, yeah. I would be. Like, you know, it's, like, you are the ones putting, you know, it's, like, this external pressure. Like, everyone's, like, well, you're the chosen one, and this and this and this. And it's, like, you know, and his resentment and, you know, like, especially in the fifth book when he becomes, like, yeah. an angsty <laughs> yeah. teenager. But it, yeah, it's because it's like this idea of like, oh yeah, everybody loves a good like orphan yeah. story, but but like I think Harry Potter did a really good job of kind of showing it from his yeah. perspective, which is like I hate this, I hate this, I hate all this attention, I hate that everybody knows my name, everybody thinks that they know me. Well, but that's not a function of him being an orphan, me. though. Like that's a function of him being well, no, the, the, the chosen one. Yeah, the chosen yeah. One. So that's but, so he's the chosen but those are two one. different things, though. Like being an orphan and being like the attention the one. having like the chosen one forced on you is two different th- like problems well, this is, that this are related is i think a lot of those stories deter- you know it's like the death of her parents forces her to do yeah. this thing and so like the death a lot of times in these stories you're losing your parents is what sets you on the path so that singles you out and makes you chosen yeah okay i, I agree oh, no. about the chosen one uh story in harry potter i think that even though that is a trope, she did it really well, and especially the way that he was like, this is the worst, you know? Yeah. And I also like the ambiguity that she introduced with Neville, like, because really, Harry Potter wasn't the chosen one. Like, it was Neville, mostly. I mean, it could have been either of them, so... Well, like, Voldemort yeah, chose. Yeah, Voldemort chose which one it was. So it's just some shit. Thank you for listening, listeners, and hopefully we will have a regular schedule of putting stuff out soon. And uh, goodbye.